Welcome to the Clean Energy Revolution with host Jamie Krinsky. There are a lot of questions concerning clean energy. Is it safe? Does it really produce results? How do utilities and the government feel about clean energy? The truth is that it's here. It has to be our future, and we'll give you the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Jamie Krinsky. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on the Clean Energy Revolution. Excuse me. Our show is about the listeners, and we are very thankful for each and every one of you. It is why we are here, and it is why this show is so important. I would like to invite you to connect with me uh, at my email, which is jamie, J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com, or connect with me at my website, which is www.thecleanenergyrevolution.com. In this show, we will raise and ask the questions that you, the listener and energy consumer would ask while also identifying perspective and applications that use clean energy. We will be confronting real news and events surrounding each and every aspect with regards to energy. We will take out the special interest and keep a keen observation in the abandoning of our constitutional protections in self-generation. Today, we are going to explore actual applications. In in previous episodes, we've talked around technology. We've identified that energy is a highly politically um, motivated um, platform that doesn't need to be um, and, and does does a, a complete injustice by by being so political but since we are a country that runs our our energy policy through our tax code it, it seems highly unlikely that that will change so today we've got a guest uh, colton cooper who runs one of the Greenway family of companies uh, he's going to be on with me today uh, as we talk about uh, projects that uh, that we're actually working on and we're going to talk through each one of them. They, they all have different, uh, we're going to talk about th- uh, three or four, they all have different solution sets. And, and we're going to basically do a bit of a white paper on the projects so that we can bring uh, real transparency to uh, for our listeners to what these deals uh, really look like and, and how they come together. So I would like to welcome today uh, on the show, Mr. Colton Cooper. Hey, good morning, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Um, I believe this is my third show that I've been on. So you know what they say, third time's a charm, right? That's right. You are a regular. <laughs> so that you. means this show is going to be amazing. <laughs> it certainly is. So thank, thank you, Colton, for, uh, for joining us today. And uh, th- this, this episode will uh, really uh, emulate the things that we work on day in and, and day out. And I wanted to bring this to, uh, to bear today so that the listeners can understand uh, what goes into these deals and what, what, what are these deals. And, you know, it certainly is a, a far cry from, you know, the Green New Deal and, and many of the uh, presidential candidates and the things that they're talking about that uh, that really don't affect us m- much in our in our day-to-day energy development. So, uh, so, so, with that said, uh, the first project that I want to kind of get into, and I want to like to get your perspective on the evolution, 
is is our project uh, in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Uh, and and let me just let me just uh, give a little background here. So this is a major manufacturing auto manufacturing company. Um, they make steering components and uh, use use a lot of electricity, um, but but have uh, you know ha- have a uh, an interesting situation with with their electrical uh, usage and supply. So so with that said, Colton, let's talk about NSK in Dyersburg. And maybe you could just give us a little bit of reflection of of what why we're doing a project there. Sure, absolutely. And um, you know, first and foremost, I might preface this with kind of talking about um, RPG's diversity of clients, maybe to start mm-hmm. off. Yep. So, in general, we you know we deal in the C and I space, and every single client that we deal with. C&I for the listeners is commercial and industrial. Right. Sorry about that. Um, So, yeah, every single client that we deal with has a different uh, need or pain point, I guess you could say, uh, with their energy consumption. Um, That poses, you know, I would would say not a, um, a hindrance on our solution, but it really provides us and allows us to be creative with what we provide our clients mm-hmm. um, rather than just throwing out a solar system behind the meter and saying you know here's a solution you know we really look at what the issues are at each facility um, and we dive down into the detail of you know what are your pain points that you currently have with your utility spend or your utility uh, utility companies um, with your energy efficiencies so that's really what we focus on and, and how we start off each and every client's analysis is we look at, you know, not only what is their load profile, but we ask them, you know, what, what issues do you have with your current utility spend or your current utility um, consumption? And that brings us to um, this Dyersburg uh, facility that you mentioned. Um, so for this facility in particular, um, they have very high demand in their manufacturing process with their steering components and in times of these high demand with their with their manufacturing um, if they have any brownouts or if they have any blackouts from the utility they can lose thousands and thousands of dollars a minute um, just in losing out on that process yeah so and it, you know that's it, it, and and we see that a lot and and we'll talk about that through these projects, but but really that's driven by just in time manufacturing anymore, right? There's right. there's not a lot of inventory that's being held uh, in, for this client, but but in general, most manufacturing and process support is is just in time. So just accentuates the impacts that you're talking about in, in terms of, of interruption for a major car manufacturer, in this case, not having the steering component and shutting the, you know, the production down. Anyway, sure. ca- carry on. Absolutely. No, you're, you're spot on with that. Um, just in time, meaning, yeah, if the, the client needs to produce their product just in time and then all of a sudden utilities not there to support and provide them energy assurance, as we like to call it then they lose out on that product and that contract, which is obviously not good for business. Right. So that's right. what we're trying to solve for this um, this client in particular. 
So what we have done is we have proposed and are working on currently um, a, a two-phased approach to this solution. Um, it involves a straight solar play for phase one and then phase two coming in with an additional solar array and battery storage component. And that battery storage component is very important and that's what provides them the protection um, and that energy assurance for those brownouts and those intermittent losses of power from the utility. Sure. And as we as we have heard from, from this client and others, right, the, the, the devil is in the, the nuisance interruption that causes the you know the flash and these you know these highly automated manufacturing and production equipment to to go down and in some cases bringing it back up is is where the significant interruptions um, are. Hey, I, I, I want to back up just a sec. So just a second. So phase one, uh, as you outlined, is is the solar only. Can you talk about the level of you know what's the arbitrage? How much how much power are we creating, and what and and why is that such a critical element of of our design? Given that a lot of these factories run pretty hard Monday through Friday, but then there's not a lot of power on the weekend. Can you can you talk about that? Sure. So the phase one uh, portion of the project really entails about a 1.5 megawatts of power uh, from solar, and the reason why, and that's about a 30 to 40 percent annual offset of their energy. Um, the reason why we only do that in this particular instance, the utility companies um, do not allow you to push back to their grid, or if they do, they only give you you know a very low amount per kilowatt hour that you that you overproduce, and it's not financially feasible to do so. Um, and so the reasons why we just we break it up the solar portion we break it up into phase one phase two is because it's very important in our sizing of the battery storage solution and that's very important because we need to size that battery to best support the facility consumption um, so what we're planning on doing is coming in with a smaller the smaller solar solution and then we'll be able to analyze once it's installed We'll be able to analyze that production in correlation with the consumption of the facility to get an actual data point on that need for the battery storage. Um, and that's our, you know, that's our typical solution for all these microgrids that we roll out with and engineer. Is you install a, a portion of the solar first, um, because before that, what we're doing in the analysis phase is really mm -hmm. we're trying to predict the future. And sure. And as you know, the weather um, over the past year or so is really changing, and it's hard to predict what it's going to be like in the future. And that's right. how solar reacts is based on the weather. So rather than trying to guess at it, we install that first phase, and then we're able to actually measure the exact reactions of the solar and the consumption. So maybe a, a, a point that... Uh for clarity for, for the listeners. So as you said, it, it, you know, we don't have a crystal ball that, that looks into the future. So, so when you're designing this, what is, what is a critical component to, with some degree of certainty, um, you know, forecast what they're going to, 
how much power they're going to use next year or a year from now? I mean, what's that process look like, given you don't have a crystal ball? How, how do you measure that? Right. So the majority of our projects, we, gain, we get um, not only the electric bills from the client from the past 12 months. You know, that gives you a snapshot, I would say, of the mm-hmm. consumption. Um, but what's more important is getting uh, interval data from the utility company. Um, if a facility has a smart meter installed, we can gain, we can get that data and we can see minute by minute for 15, 30, 60 minutes of intervals um, what they're actually consuming at the plant. And that allows us to, you know, extrapolate that data across the year and really see, you know, what the solar is going to do in correlation with the building uh, consumption. This is good. Uh, this is really good. And we're just really getting started on uh, diving in and, and bringing our listeners through through one of these projects. We're going to take a break. Uh, and when we come back, we, we will continue to dive into uh, this project in Dyersburg, Tennessee, and talk through and walk our listeners through a day in the life of developing one of these projects. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to the Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J A M I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Uh, before the break, we were. Uh, we were we were talking through a current project that uh, that we're working on, and we're going to continue to to explore uh, wh- what it is, uh, what the project is, what you know, how these projects come together, and uh, and, and and we have Colton Cooper with us, who is uh, our lead designer designer and uh, senior executive here uh, at. Uh, at the Greenwave family of companies, so so Col- so Colton, let's let's pick up 
where, where we left off. Um, and, and one of the things that people don't think about a lot, possibly, um, hard to know what, what people really think about, but with these projects, you know, we, you just talked about the bills, right? How, how do we act with, with, with a level of, you know, some level of certainty and confidence, you know, you're designing a project that's going to meet, you know, in the future, the same amount of energy that they've used in the past. And, and you know, generally that's the best way to do it. So once we get by that, right, we understand and we can define what the arbitrage is, right, and how much we can create for the yeah. customer versus supply from, from the utility. What what's So this is the phase one is rooftop. Correct. How do what do we how do we have certainty that that's number one that it can support the weight of the system and number two that's the right you know it, it's the right thing to do to put it there can you can you kind of talk through the preparation of how we make site selection and once we make site site selection how do we then get com- comfortable that that's right? Sure, absolutely. Um, so in terms of site selection. From project to project, um, this one in particular, we went back and forth with the client, and we we looked at you know ground mount vor- versus rooftop, um, and we finally came to the solution for phase one of a rooftop solution, um, and and really the the selection process of that was you know they have a a future outlook of potentially expanding in the areas that we were looking to put some ground mount. Um, and also the benefits of a rooftop solar solution um, with the reduction of you know, AC loads as the rooftop solar helps with, um, with those AC loads and acting as a kind of a, a barrier between the sun and the, the rooftop itself. Um, not only that, but, um, but like I mentioned, the, the valuable real estate that they currently have. Uh, sure. allowed us to make that decision and put it on the roof. Now, in terms of the process that we go through once we make that selection, we also have to make sure that the rooftop is capable of holding that weight from the solar. And in this case, we have a ballasted racking system. Uh, and for those who are listening and don't know, a ballasted racking system is um, essentially one that is held down by weighted you know, concrete blocks. Um, with the solar panels. So that's an added weight and an added structural weight to the existing rooftop structure. So we go in with structural engineers and we calculate the existing structure and what the existing pounds per square foot requirements are on that facility. And then we determine with our racking manufacturer what we're going to add to the roof at each individual point of connection. Sure. So, and that's the important point that that I wanted you to make is that when we do this, this is a this is a professional um, group that is putting together a, a a professional design and project that is going to last, you know, thirty thirty years or greater. It's important to note that. Um, that we do so, we, we are able to make those decisions by, you know, through through engineering. And that, that was the point that, that I wanted you to make. Um, and so, th- so thank you for that. 
the can you talk about the connection point so for so for this project you talked about how we're not sending back power to to the utility which is we could spend a whole show talking about just excess power uh, and that but we're not going to do that so much here today right don't get me but, started yeah right um so so just talk about the connection like what what does that look like and how do sure. we how do we isolate how do we? How do? How, how can we tell our clients that you know what? We're just not going to send any power back. Can you talk through that? Sure, absolutely. And I guess in in high level terms, so to speak, for this project, um, for instance, for phase one, we're coming in with um, a behind the meter application. So that means we're we're connecting and the energy is flowing to the the customer's facility loads first, and then. In a typical, I would say, typical solar application, any excess generation would flow back to the utility company. Um, however, in this situation, we're not doing that. Um, there's too many rules and regulations that prevent us from doing so. Um, so we had to, you know, that presented a challenge to us, um, mm-hmm. which we obviously did not shy away from. We just made it work for us for this solution. Um, and in doing so, and that, that really entails having a special inverter that is able to, um, what's known as curtail that overproduction. Um, mm. And what's important is the protection schemes that are in place with the solar um, connecting into the facility and um, the communications that the inverters have to um, to allow that system to curtail and not push anything back to the or uh, to the uh, utility. Yes, um, very very important points, um, and and certainly these these systems don't have a lot of moving parts. In fact, you know they're they're highly programmable, but it's right. I mean, there's there's switch gear, there's inverters, you know, there's some monitoring and measuring equipment out there, but other than that, it's there's not a lot of moving parts. That, right. That's a point I wanted to make. So, so if we're if we're not sending anything back to the grid, what happens? Can you can you just can you just address and, and maybe I think you did a little bit earlier, but Saturday, Sunday, they're not using any power. You've you've got, you know. A, a mega, a mega, a megawatt and a half of power sitting there. So, what happens to that? Sure, and uh, yeah, in the weekends specifically, they will have a little bit of load consumption. <coughs> excuse me, consumption. Um, but like you said, very little. Maybe you know, sixty to seventy percent reduction mm-hmm. of their uh, maximum capacity. And that's why we sized the system to, like I said before, 30 to 40% of their annual consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to really make sure that we're not overproducing too much during the weekends and those times of you know, low shifts when they're, the workers aren't in the facility working. Sure. Um, and then anything else over and above that, everything, the, the inverters essentially ramp down and... Um, what's known as curtailing that energy and sending it to ground to essentially lost consumption or lost production, I would say. And, and, and in these areas like uh, Tennessee that basically uh, from a regulatory perspective are um, 
super difficult. And in fact, um, you know, as I talk on the show, it, it feels like it feels like some of these utilities do take away your constitutional rights to generate your own power. And and this is a, this is an area that does that. What are some other things that you could do with excess power? Um, phase two, maybe talk about phase two for a second, but then let's think outside the box for a second. What else could we do with that power? Sure, absolutely. And this is a, I would say this is an exciting um, topic that we get into uh, that I like to talk about and really explore is the microgrid solutions. Um, so anything excess power is, you know, that's really the key. And that's not just the key for our solutions. I mean, that's really the key for a lot of these utility scales projects out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take California, for instance. There's a lot of solar production out in California, but the majority of it that's going on the grid is being produced in the middle of the day when the consumption is some of the lowest in the yeah. middle of the day. So what do you do with that excess energy? Um, you know, we're, we're looking at solutions for that as well within our manufacturing um, customers. So some things we're looking at is, you know, there's the traditional battery storage solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, many different types of technologies out there today. Um, and battery storage is, is the future, I believe, because one, it's getting more efficient, and two, it's getting cheaper. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what solar panels were doing five to ten years ago, as they were kind of yeah. exponentially getting more efficient and cheaper at the same time. Um, so there's that solution. And there's also other ways to to store excess energy. Um, one of those is a um, kind of a thermal storage. Mm-hmm. And what we are exploring as well um, in the form of ice storage in particular. So when you have excess energy, you could take that excess flow of power, turn it into ice storage, which essentially um, a mechanism that freezes water and turns that and uses that ice to reduce yep. the load of an HVAC system with yeah. that facility. And, and right, it's, it's, it's conceivable that in places like Tennessee, where TVA, which is a nasty little utility out there, <laughs> where TVA gives us all kinds of roadblocks, it's it's conceivable that they use they use uh, cooling measures what six nine months a year maybe, and and this kind of overproduction right it can it can alleviate it at its best you could alleviate the need to cool by just creating this ice storage, which is a very conventional, been around for a hundred years, way to offset any, any cooling needs. Is, is, is that not accurate? That's a hundred percent accurate. Yes. Um, I mean, it's no secret that TVA and a lot of these utilities, they get hit hard with high consumption of demands from these large manufacturing facilities. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, they, they offer programs to, um, have these manufacturing facilities just reduce their consumption um, by shutting off, you know, processes within their within their plants. Right. Um, but a lot of the times, that's not feasible for these, you know, for our customers to do that. Um, so we need to find other ways to efficiently reduce that load. Um, and you know, solar with other forms of storage is a great way of doing so. 
Sure. Well, we are up against a, another break, so uh, we'll 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 go to break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up this uh, the review of this project, and we'll dive into uh, another set of projects that has a, a different set of solutions and needs. Uh, so when we come when when we return, uh, we will uh, we will dive into another solar development, another clean energy development, and and what the drivers are are there. Colton Cooper has been with us. Uh, Colton will remain with us uh, through the break and on the other side to uh, continue uh, a first-hand review of, of what these projects are. So uh, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit GreenWave-Holdings.com for more information. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit GreenWave-Holdings.com for more information. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to The Clean Energy Revolution. Uh, before the break, we were with Colton Cooper getting a first-hand uh, experience in developing uh, a project, project that we're working on in Dyersburg, Tennessee. And, uh, and and we had an intention to talk about several projects today. Uh, I don't know that we'll get through the stack. Uh, Colton, I wanted to uh, bring you back here for a second. Y- you mentioned an important point that the utility TVA and the nasty little utility we were talking about a minute ago, that they have measures uh, for for these manufacturing facilities that that reduces their burden, and and you and you and you and you brushed across it, but but I do want to acknowledge the the incredible um, difficulty that these that these utilities are placing on manufacturing. So. Um, in this case, the manufacturer will 
send a five-minute warning for them to shed load. And so these, these, these facilities have to respond within five minutes. They've got to go offline. Right. Um, imagine the complexity in that. And, and the difficulty, again, just in time. We're doing just-in-time manufacturing, sure. and the utility, it's a hot day, and the utility doesn't have enough power, so they're going back to their big users to cut power. And, I mean, you don't have to go to California to find out how wacky utilities are. We can see it right here in the Midwest, and, and, that's, and that's one example. So, right. you know, uh, right? I mean, we, we, those are the things that open the door for us because these are real impacts. And I think that the number that I heard is every time they do that, it's about a quarter of a million dollar impact to their revenue stream. It's pretty significant. Yeah, I can't even comprehend that much money. I mean, within minutes. I mean, that's right. just astronomical. Right. Any last points you want to make on the uh, on this project before we go to uh, to a different one? Um, no, I think we uh, I think we covered that one pretty well. So it's okay. uh, that's a very exciting project. We're looking forward to getting that one installed and off the ground. So looking forward to it. What is the uh, what is the anticipated COD or completion date on that? Um, no. We're hoping we're hoping by um, somewhere around towards the middle to end of this year. Okay. Um, getting that getting that up and running, and then. Hopefully, starting phase two, um, a few months after that, you know, five to six months after that, after we do the analysis process and um, looking at the uh, correlation between the consumption and the production of that phase one solar. You know, early in my career, somebody told me that oh, building the building these projects is the easy part, and I took great offense to that because I was a project <laughs> manager and I was very proud of what I did, and I, right. I thought well, it was the hardest thing that you know anyone had to do. But now on this side of it, I, I will say that building these things is is the shortest time period, right? I mean, yes. this job has taken, what, six design, seven design evolutions, or at least what we presented to the client, been a year in the making. It, yeah, right. They're just, there's a lot of hurdles, right? I mean, it's uh, they take much longer to put together than they take to build it. That's my absolutely. I mean, it's it's not just getting through the design iterations. It's also going, you know, through the corporate structure of yeah. um, you know the ladder essentially of yeah. getting the decision made. I mean, that's been an experience right. in itself. As well. you, you bring a great point up, right? Because on this project, when we were sitting with the the executives and the and the the, the site guys, the local guys, they were oh. Corporate, they're making us cut costs and, you know, yada, yada, yada. We we have to save money. We're not spending any. Right. And then you meet with the corporate leadership and, and they sing a bit of a different tune. No, no, it's about, you know, reducing our carbon footprint. And, you know, in this case, in energy installation, clean energy installation is, is, a, uh, is, is a core process, you know, much like uh, safety and quality and the rest of it. But... Uh, that's just it's it's funny, right? You get a lot of different truths out there. Yeah. There's a truth on why the the local guys want it, and then there's a truth on why right. corporate guys want it. And you know, the art of our deal is always to find the truth and to uh, to make it so. 
So great job, great job on uh, on that. I want to turn now to uh, to to macro, um, which is a bit of a different design, different challenges, uh, the rest of it. Um, why don't you give us a little summary of of uh, your perspective of what macro is? Sure, absolutely. Um, and just going back to the corporate structure, you know, as we discussed a second ago. Um, MagPro in itself is a was a lot different process, I guess I could say, um, in the in the sales process of that project. Um, for instance, when we went through NSK, like you said, we had to go through multiple channels of corporate. Mm-hmm. Well, in the instance of MagPro, we were essentially dealing directly with the owner, um, so it's a it was a fluid, you know, streamlined process, and. Um, great gentleman and he made the decision right then and there and you know we essentially closed that project in a short period of time which was great mm-hmm. um so yeah there is a, a a huge difference in between you know the corporate structures of that first project and then this magpro project yeah um but a little bit of background on magpro it's a um it's a magnesium plant um in in tennessee again so dealing with, uh, you know, again, TVA and all those difficulties that we have to go through. Yep. Um, so we were, you know, we were experienced with TVA going through all the regulations, um, all the requirements from the local utility. And essentially we have the same solution um, as NSK for the, the uh, phase one solar solution. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so MagPro is a 500 kW system. Um, it's all ground mount, and it's essentially producing that 30 to 40 percent of their annual consumption needs with solar. Sure. And and I don't know how many of our listeners know about magnesium, but the furnaces that create the magnesium cook it some extraordinary 1,500 degrees or some ridiculous um, temperature, and they're all electric. So, so the 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 electrical savings and exposure to the grid by by this kind of application is is really quite remarkable. And um, and and so the last one we talked about was rooftop. This one's ground mount. What sort of um, how do we identify? And for our listeners, how, how do you know that you that you can put a ground mount project there. I mean, what are some of the things that you do to identify that? Yeah, so um, some of the initial analyses analyses that we do for a ground mount solution, um, you have to look at the land in terms of what is the topography of the existing land? Um, Will it support, you know, certain types of racking? And if it does, what, you know, there's different types of racking that can handle different types of topographical elevations and things. So that's that's one um, aspect of a ground mount solution. Two is the surrounding vegetation um, and the shade impacts that it's going to have. So for instance, if there's you know, 40, 50, 60 foot tall trees to the south, how much shade is that going to um, cast on the solar and what impacts is that going to have on the production of the solar? Um, and then probably one of the most important is uh, the subgrade um, 
the subgrade of the um, the area that we're putting the ground mount. And what we do is we have to do like a geotech study of the soils below the 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 array location to determine you know what's actually underneath the soil. Um, you know the the types of sand, the sand um, or loam or whatever type of makeup mm-hmm. is below that surface and if there's rocks or anything that's going to cause us issues or pains when we're installing the system. Yeah, right, because the, and and for those listeners that maybe haven't experienced or seen one of these projects come together, you know, the reason that you're, you're identifying the subsurface conditions, as you say, right, are for matters of stability and um, you know, is is it what are the contaminants if there are any, right? Because because ostensibly you're creating a a driven pile, right? That and and right. and and in order to identify how deep that has to go, right? We have to figure out what what the subsurface conditions really are, right? And um, and what happens if there's rock though? What do you do then? Well, if there's rock, you have to do. Um one of two things you have to either pre-drill and uh, really pound that post in or you know it, sometimes you have to completely drill it out and and use some um, you know piles or some um, concrete fill and where it really gets bad is if you have to put some footers in with rebar and everything for yeah. stability we don't want to get into that but right. um, sometimes it has to has to be that way um, and another good point to make is the reasons why you want those posts and the racking to be stable is is also for the warranties for from the uh, manufacturers as well. Um, we have to build the system to their spec. Otherwise, that 20, 25-year warranty is void, and we don't want that. Sure. Sure. It, it reminds me of some. It's a time for another day, but... I did a uh, a wind project in Oklahoma where we had to do we had to bring in dynamite and blast a rock. That was really cool. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that was blasted <laughs> rock socket. That was really cool. Nice. All right, so um, so this project, 500 kW. Uh, any any so do, so you talked about the subservice. We've talked about you know the trees, the shading. You know, any is there any concern with uh, contaminants, right? So we're in the CNI space. It's not unheard of that some of these could have contaminant, you know, contaminants or you know, some environmental hazard. Do we, you know, how do you work through that consideration? And you know, how do we identify that uh, that in fact there's there's no contaminants? Sure, and yeah, there. I mean. Like you said, there are always those concerns up front, um, especially dealing with raw materials like magnesium, mm-hmm. um, and you know what what was on the site before this owner came in and, and started uh, producing magnesium. Um, right. So we did our due diligence in that sector, and we we had some ecological studies done, and everything came back um, fine. So um, you know the alternative is if you know we could have some issues with soils and that's what we don't want to get into is um, soil remediation and mitigation right? Um, and having to amend the soils essentially to uh, to install the solar system. 
because sure. then that's just obviously added cost and, and things and time as well. Yeah. Well, listen, we're up against uh, another break. Uh, so we're going to go to the break. And when we come back, we will wrap up our, our look into uh, this project and some perspective from Colton as a, uh, as a, as a senior designer and really kind of a, a day in the life of an energy developer. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Thank you for uh, continuing to join us on the Clean Energy Revolution. We have been talking with Colton Cooper all day uh, and looking into some projects that we have that, that we are working on. And, and I want to continue to talk about um, this MAGPRO project uh, that, that, we, that we've been discussing, this 500 uh, kilowatt system. Colton, could, you know, we talked about the things that we're looking at um, from a, you know, from a design or an engineering or an environmental perspective when we have site selection. You know, we've talked about how this gets, you know, we're going to connect this to, you know, basically to their uh, main distribution panel or, uh, or, or the secondary side of the utility transformer. But at any rate, whatever power we create, they use. We haven't talked a lot about the different kinds of, you know, racking. We, we you know, we, we, we've talked about it a few times here, but we've not really do- dove into why we choose what we choose. And, and for this project, you know, we've kind of been all over the map looking for efficiency and, right, just the best application. Can, can, can you talk about 
just the evolution that this job has or this project has taken in terms of, you know, why did we get to where we are? What did we look at on the way? And why is this, you know, a good application for this project? Can, can, you, can you expand on that a bit? Sure, absolutely. Um, so the evolution of the, the system, the racking system in particular, um, really went from, I would say, you know, three different options is what we looked at. Uh, we, we quickly ruled out any rooftop solar because, one, there's no really rooftop to utilize within the, pro- the manufacturing process. Um, and the owner had available land that just wasn't being used. So it offered us, you know, the perfect opportunity to get them value for this real estate that they weren't using. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we were, once we considered that, you know, we're going to use a ground mount system, we looked at, okay, what are our options for ground mount? And, um, you know, there's really three main racking types that we look at as a uh, EPC. And mm-hmm. one of them being a too high table top type of uh, fixed tilt system mm-hmm. another being a four high tabletop fixed tilt system and the third being a single axis tracker um, that follows the sun from east to west during the day mm-hmm. so originally we looked at a too high system ground mount and then we said okay well what if we looked at a single axis tracker because the difference between the two, obviously, fixed tilt doesn't move, a tracker does move um, mm-hmm. on one axis. Now, the the difference between the two are really, um, actually, there's two things. One, cost, and two, uh, production. Right. The single axis tracker is going to produce, you know, 15 to 17% more in energy than the fixed tilt. Um, so... We had what's, to look the, at, what, what's the offset in, in price, right, it, in, in for our listeners? So if you're going to create 17% more power, um, what's the offset in cost? Well, it really has to do with your scale. Mm-hmm. So what we have found is, and how we are designing our systems, really our single-axis tracker applications – um, at a small system like this, a 500 kW or 400 kW system, really doesn't outweigh the production that it, it has in terms of a fixed tilt. Um, so if we have the available land, you know, we're gonna, it, it's gonna make more financial sense to utilize a ground mount, or I'm sorry, a fixed tilt system than a single axis tracker. Sure. Um, and the other, the other reason for that is not just the upfront cost. Um, not outweighing the production, but it's also the O&M costs and the potential downtime that a tracker could have. Um, sure. Because you have moving parts now. You, you're not just building a, a fixed system and it's just sitting there producing energy all day. Sure. It's now moving um, with a motor, motorized equipment and has you know those potentials of failure. Sure. And... It, right, and it's true that some areas are just, you know, are served better with a tracker than a fixed tilt, but but that's not necessarily true about about Tennessee, right? I mean, is that what your 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 study came to? 
yeah, that's what we're seeing is um, <clears throat> if you're not strapped for land and you have plenty of land, it's really what we're seeing. And, and this is, you know, this is just the way that we work. You know, some EPCs out there may think differently, but um, in terms of what we look for and our pricing structures, you know, that's really what we're seeing in the market is that these fixed tilt systems um, for us really make the most sense. Sure. And, and, and again, you talked about doing a two high tabletop or a four high tabletop and, 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 you know, maybe just spend one more minute on that. What is there a difference between a portrait and a landscape? Do you, do you look at that uh, for our listeners? You know, is there any advice or guidance that, that you have personally when you design these, these systems is one better than the other? How well, about that? Yeah, so what I really like and the reason why we have landed on the four high in portrait racking system is um, a few things. One, the ground cover ratios of those four high racking, you can you can essentially fit more solar per square foot of area um, than a two high. Um, so there's one benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Um and two, what we've seen is the cost has been reduced uh, quite a bit. And the reason for that is because you have less posts to support the racking uh, per module. Sure. Uh, and when you have less posts, you're, you're really, that's a lot of your cost is the post pounder and pounding those um, piles in uh, right. rather than putting ac- the actual racking up. It's really the post cost. Right. No, that's uh, that, that that is a great great perspective. In in the last minute that we have before I've got to wrap the show up this week, any advice for our listeners that are considering a project like this? Um, what is there any? What what advice would you like to leave today? Sure, um, absolutely. No, I would say to them that you know. Really figure out what you're trying to solve. Um, don't just assume that you want to offset your entire load with solar. I mean, really, really ask yourself, what are my pain points? What am I trying to solve with my energy? Sure. Uh, it's not just a thing of installing solar now. I mean, we can really utilize uh, microgrid technologies, and, and battery storage now is more affordable than it has been. Um, sure. So there are a lot more options out there for clients and people with larger loads and, um, you know, and unstable grid support. Well, that is fantastic. Great job today, Colton. Uh, great perspective. I hope that um, you've reached, a, you know, if we've reached one listener today, then we've done our job in, in you know, giving somebody the confidence to, to move forward uh, with the clean energy investment. So thank you very much. And with that, we have to bring uh, today's show to an end. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, please please tune in next week where we'll get back into the political circus uh, surrounding climate change and and the, uh, the candidates. And I think I left off with uh, crazy Bernie Sanders, so we'll pick it up there. Please Please join us next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Clean Energy Revolution. Please join your host, Jamie Krinsky, again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week.